Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 73, the Punchboarders will reach into the mailbag. We're going to talk about 2020 as a whole and draft our top games from 2020. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm Richie. Hey, real quick, Chad. Last episode, you went in and talked about a game that's coming on Kickstarter, and I think it will still be on Kickstarter when this episode is released. Yeah, Darwin's Journey. Richie and I had a chance to play this on Tabletop Simulator. What? That's right, and it was great. It was very, it was very, very good. I uh, backed it after like the first round. Did you win? No, I came in second. I, I It looked like I was going to win. I thought you were going to win. Until Joe slaughtered, Ooh, slaughtered Joe me Joe did those end. red seals. There yeah, the red end. seals were bad know, for you me. Know Joe, the old sneaky guy he is, so snuck <laughs> up in there. Um, however, I finished a distant, distant, distant third. Yes, very distant. We knew Clef wasn't going to win. Um, <laughs> well, there was some point, remember, where I was like, I'm going to try not to score victory. Yes. That was like my you goal did, at some point. You did was, really good at that for like the first three rounds. Yeah, it was, it was so, good. Yeah. But this game, I just want to say real quick, I it's the first time I've played a Euro game in a while that I was like, wow, this is a very, very good Euro. I really enjoyed the whole training your people and getting the seals so then they were able to go to different places. And there was just, it was a lot of stuff to do. And it just really fit well together. So if you're interested at all in this game and you want to know more, you can go back and listen to that last episode on the Kickstarter Corner, but also check it out on Kickstarter. It is a tremendously good game. And, you know, Richie and I, we're, we're putting our stamp of approval on it. Yes, yeah. it is like the best of all of their games. Yeah. Wow. That together. is huge. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's big to hear from Clef too, because we'll, well, we'll see when we draft the 2020 games, but usually Clef's all about social deduction usually. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just, I mean, that's all he plays yeah. now. So Social deduction <laughs> yeah. and yeah. solo abstract games yeah, you know, yeah. Pretty much. that's crazy. all I'm about so yeah it was kind of crazy that I liked it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, okay so Richie is there anything else that you've been playing lately uh, I'm on track with my age of steam that's right <laughs> <laughs> so big surprise that wow I tell you uh, Jason Brent is like he is all in oh he's all in he created a tabletop or he took a an existing tabletop simulator mod of age of steam and he we've been improving it I've been throwing my maps in there yeah. or he's been throwing them in there and then today Day, he made a script for the goods yes. so that the goods display fills in right it's fantastic yep. pretty soon pretty soon and and jason is is great he's a member of our punch bunch he's a he's a great contributor but uh pretty soon uh you know our place is going to be the place to be if you want to play an age of steam game online yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, even today he said something he's going to put some bidding co uh tracks in there or something or bidding oh nice uh because that was one thing that was a little bit like uh you needed something to be able to keep track of exactly yeah 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 what, you what you're bidding yeah. yeah so that's uh perfect uh because i actually got to join you guys for the first I time know. ever and it was it was good except for ooh. I really, uh, I really screwed Tim in that game. <laughs> yes, uh, very early, too. That's nice. We like Tim. I know. I felt bad. And then I was like, well, you know, hey, it's Age of Steam. You, you got a deal. <laughs> well, since you made him go bankrupt, did you count that play? Or? Uh, he did not go bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> you just, uh, you know. Yeah, it was, in the no. corner. It, and it, I tried at the end because I could have, I think I could have finished in third that game, but I, I threw the Hail Mary to try to pull Clef back. He did. He did. And and screwing you, myself. You but almost made Jason I almost did. Yeah, yep. Jason almost won. And uh, it was kind of funny because we started the night on the 19th, which was Jason's birthday, 
but we ended on the 20th after midnight, at least our time it was after midnight. Right, right. yeah. And it was my birthday, so then I won, you know, because it was my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's nice of everybody to let you win then. Well, uh, enough is enough. What map were you playing on? It was 1830 Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I should have played on that map. It yeah. was fantastic. I actually, uh, after I did my top 10 of 2020, I took all the maps that I've played and I rated those as well and ranked them uh-huh. and that's in my my top five wow, wow. i really right. like that map hey, it was really good it, it, it i think we said it's our first 18xx game that we like <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right well richie tell me uh and and our listeners what is different about 1830 pennsylvania uh so what what changes on that map is that during setup you'll take all the black goods out of the main supply and then there are gray cities on the left side of the map and you put a black cube on all of those and during the game whenever you urbanize one of those cities you'll put an extra black good on top of it and the black cubes you can either deliver them twice the amount of links that you have so if you have five links you can take them 10 stops away or you can get double income for every link that you move wow so clef was getting like 12 income if he could move a, a black cube six spots wow yeah. Uh, so yeah you can That's you can cool. really rack up yeah uh, the income but I, I like that yeah we definitely need to play it again because then you know towards the end where i screwed him is that i took away he had a 12 income i took it away like 10 spots but yeah. he only got like three income out of it, and then yeah. some other people got some. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, it, it, it's an expensive map. Super expensive. Because uh, yeah. there's a bunch of mountains, and they're $5 mountains, and then there's rivers that are, are they $4 rivers, or were they? They were $3. $3 still. Yeah, yeah. But it was still, it was a very, very expensive map. And to start the game with, uh, Jason, Richie, and, and Tim all started on one like corner of the board, and I went up all by myself, and it was expensive, and I kind of got off slow, but then once I got going... I had all yeah, those black were... goods just to go boom, and all of a sudden, exactly, it just, just shot at my income. So, um, but yeah, I, I would agree. It was one of my more favorite maps that I've played in a long time too. I, I enjoyed it. All right, well, for those of you still listening, that's our Age of Steam <laughs> segment for the oh, day. Oh yeah, hey, uh, snuck and, in our uh, Age of Steam segment. Yeah, we did sneak in our Age of Steam. <laughs> too. And on a side note, Richie and I are going to start our personal podcast of Age of Steam maps. <laughs> uh, don't joke around; you get some people clamoring. I'm sure. <laughs> well, Clef, what have you been playing? Well, I, I've gotten in um, a couple of plays of Praga. From yeah, Vladimir Suchi. By Vladimir Suchi. Um, woo, talk about a very produced game. Um, there is, I mean, this was a construction project uh, to put together. You had to like create these stairs of these, I don't know, these tracks, and then you had to make this bridge, and you had to make these wheels, and then you had to fold these boards together and everything. And I mean, beautiful, well put together. Um, the boards themselves, the player boards, an ingenious thing to be able to do because, you know, it made a recess board without actually having to make the recess board, which I'm sure costs a lot of money, you know. Right. Um, you have to have, normally, it costs a lot more to have a recess board because you have to have somebody take that off the assembly line and then glue the pieces together. Whereas this was just like punch out the chits on the little holes in the board and then fold it over fold it and together. snap it together with the wheels. With the wheels, yeah. yeah. So very well, very smart and very well done. So um, the the extra parts of the stairs and stuff that you didn't really need, you could just use the board. Um, yeah, I'll never put those back together again. I think, I don't know, Chad, I thought you said you left yours together. I don't know. I, I disassembled mine. I'm just using the board. But anyways, um, the actual game. Uh, it is an action selection game where it has like a little wheel that turns and you grab a tile from it 
and you're going to get a bonus from wherever you grab the tile from. And then you may either have to pay some money to take the tile or you might get it for free or you might get some victory points if it's been on the wheel for a while. And then you take it, you choose one of the two actions. There's always two actions on a tile. And those actions are, you know, like uh, they're build a wall, which would go around your your special kind of little, I don't know, hex uh, player action thing. Or you could build a, like a building out into the town. Or you could build upgrades that go on your board that then the next time you take that certain action, it's going to give you a better action. You know, it might actually, it might give you a stone and a victory point or something like that. Um, or you can move along the, well, what was that? The King's Road or something like that, that you could move along and get some bonuses and stuff. Or you could um, basically increase your gold or stone production, um, which was kind of, which I really thought was interesting because when you choose it, you can either choose to increase your gold production and then get one gold or you could simply say i'm just going to produce on there and then that's going to give you like if you were like at say at the six you're going to get six gold plus you're going to get anything that's like behind it on this production line and then there's ways to upgrade things on there uh so it was i thought that was an interesting way that you know in that same way with the stone you know the choice of well do i want to increase it or do i want to you know get all that gold or all that stone right away so that was really uh, interesting i liked that right because if you move up on your production tracks you can get more uh you can get more gold you can get victory points you can get seals different mm-hmm. stuff yes, like that exactly yeah so yeah um and then obviously when you did different things like if you build out in the city you had an opportunity to move up this, uh, oh, these tracks that were on the top of the board where you had to go either left or right, depending on which one of the ones you built. But once you got so far to the left, you couldn't go anymore. So you'd have to do things, these get these little windows to move up on it. And then they scored for different things. I mean, there is a whole bunch of stuff thrown into this game. I mean, and normal Suchi type of game. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on. I found it almost even like where you I almost felt like it was like with uh, Teotihuacan when I took my turn I would have to go okay so I did this did I take my bonus from the wheel okay yes okay I did this did I mm. oh did I have an upgrade did I get that okay oh I did this oh I ran this do I need to get this oh wait a minute I got this there's just a lot of steps and procedural things that you have to kind of go through when you're playing this game to make sure that you don't miss anything and still even there would be like well, a turn later, I'd go, oh, shoot, I forgot to get my blah, blah, blah. Or, oops, I forgot to get this victory point because I had this. Oh, not to mention there's, uh, when you move up this book track, you can get these special powers, you know? So then you'd have those special powers, and then you'd have to remember those. There was just a lot of stuff going on in this game. Now, all that being said, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a good Euro. I mean, I thought it it was well put together. I mean, you're making meaningful decisions on which way you kind of want to go and, uh, you know, what kind of how you want to build your engine. I like the fact that you had those upgraded tiles. Um, I thought the upgrades were sometimes a little bit, eh, a lot of times it was like a victory point that you would get on top mm-hmm. of it, but you know, whatever, but it was still interesting. I liked the trying to match up the symbols as you built around in the city or on your walls. I mean, there was some neat things to it, the the wheel, I didn't know if it was all as interesting as I thought it was going to be. I mean, most of the time it seemed like we always took from the free area. Very little did you ever go, ooh, I want to play gold because I really need to take that action. Or if you did, by the time I felt like I had to, I had so much gold, it wasn't a big deal maybe. And very rarely did it ever, maybe once it'd get into like the one victory point spot before somebody would grab it. And I think one time it got all the way up to the five victory point spot. But um, 
I thought that was okay, I guess I should say. I didn't think it was quite as interesting as I was hoping as it was going to be. It's not like a uh, like a Zulkin thing where the longer you let it go, the better your action is. Hmm. It's just maybe you get a couple of victory points when you grab it as opposed to if you grab it you know, early, you, you score some gold. So, uh, so the verdict, I'm still going to say I'm still out on this one. I've only played it twice two-player. So I want to see if it does make any difference playing it three- or four-player where maybe, the like, the town would get filled up a little bit more. Obviously, the tiles would get uh, switched out a lot more. So I'm going to hold out 100% judgment. I would say good, interested in playing again, still on my shelf. Hasn't made it to the sell shelf yet, okay? Um, so interested in playing a couple more times and, and just seeing kind of what, what kind of differences it makes. To provide a counterpoint on this one, I really like this. Now, I've played it a couple times only at two-player, um, but again, I feel like because of the rondelle, that wheel, it does not change at four. You're going to be messing around a lot more because the action you want to take could go quick, and I felt like there were a bunch of times where I made a decision where... I didn't necessarily want to take an action uh, a lot, but I also didn't want my opponent to get three victory points off of it either. So mm. I wasn't like I, I I would I had to weigh that sometimes. And I did like that there are definitely different strategies to focus on with this. So even though the upgrades don't seem like a lot, if you can stack them because you can stack on top of upgrades. So even though you upgrade an action, if you don't like later on in the game where you're at with it, you can stack on top of that action too. So you don't get both, but you can change sort of your tack a little bit. So there's a nice mix. I feel like of tactical and strategic gameplay in this game. Uh, and honestly, what this game felt like to me was sushi, just like with terraforming Mars and underwater cities, it felt like he said, Oh, I really, Lisboa is cool. I'm going to make my Lisboa about Prague. And he does. I mean, like he in the back of the instruction booklet, he talks about the reason that you have eggs as resources in this game is because you have to build this bridge, uh, the Charles Bridge that builds off the road that uh, that Clef was talking about. And they used supposedly they used eggs in the mortar of that bridge. So when you're when you're uh, when you're moving along the road at a certain point, you have to pay eggs to get further on the bridge so that you can turn those in and, and get stuff that way. So I've had a fun time with this trying totally different tacks both times. Now, is it overproduced? Maybe, uh, but I feel like they give you a good diagram of how to just take the top off of the little bridge things that you have to construct so they can still bo both go in the board. But it it does, for new players, provide a good representation of like, oh, if I want to go up to this next level that is 3D on this thing, I need to pay two, I need to pay a gold and a stone to do that. So... Uh, you don't have to have it. It's a nice visual representation, but you don't have to. It's not like, for example, the Everdell tree where it just sits there and looks pretty. So, but anyway, I would highly recommend uh, playing it at least. Do you think it would also be better with more though, since that wheel doesn't it actually scale? It would be scale? tighter with more for sure. Like you have, yeah. you would definitely have tighter decisions. It feels like two is kind of a nice way to learn the game, very friendly, kind of do what you want sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas four would be like, oh gosh. I really want to be able to do this thing, but you know, somebody else took the action because you you are trying to plan a little bit uh, about what your next action should be, but that wheel can mess you up. And also, when you get the bonuses off the wheel, sometimes you're hoping like, okay, well, I can take this action if I get it matched up with that bonus. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. I like I said, I want to try it at three or four just to see because there are two. 
there's what six action tiles on the board and two of each one. So that's why I was said it never felt like it was that hard to get to an action. Maybe that would make a bigger difference in obviously in a three or four where it'd be a little bit more. Yeah, hurtful. So another thing is the variability is pretty cool because uh, all those tiles flip over uh, and fit in the action wheel too. So you can you can kind of look at those, and then uh, there are a lot of other tiles that don't go in the game. So yeah. it, it seems like there's a good amount of variability for what the game is. Yeah, like I said, I liked it. I'm looking forward to playing it again. I mean, I, it's not wasn't amazing to me, but I think you usually like sushi games a little bit more. All right, so that's uh, Praga by uh, Vladimir Suchi. What about you, Chad? What have you? Uh, what else have you gotten to the table here recently? Well, one of the games that I've been playing that I've really enjoyed, and I, I'm kind of surprised about it, is Under Falling Skies from CGE Games. And Tomas Ulier, hopefully I pronounced that right. I'm sorry, Tomas. But this is a strictly solo game. And I will say... It's been out before as a print-and-play, I think, before 2020. But now it is out because CGE recognizes that this is to this is the time to be playing a solo game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a sort of dice worker placement game, which is really interesting. I don't usually like what I'll call tower defense games, even though this one sort of feels like a tower defense game. So if you can imagine Space Invaders, Clef, and you are protecting a city from like aliens that are coming down like space invaders they just like the old coming. atari system yeah exactly exactly yeah, like yeah. that right oh i'm dating so, myself but okay yeah. right <laughs> so you have this excavator that is sort of working its way underground to uh protect let's say roswell that's your starting city right and there are these rooms that do different things but you have to excavate to get to those rooms first to open them up so you have this little excavator that's halfway down, and you are using these die, okay? You have you start out the intro scenario with, I think, three black and two white die. And what you have to do is place a die in each column in different rooms. And those columns will power your actions, depending on what room it is, right? But the pips on those die will also make the aliens move down closer to you as well. So if I put a six in my uh, in my room that gives me energy to do certain actions, then that's great. I'm going to get six energy maybe, but I'm also going to make the ship move closer to me. Uh, I may have stuff that is fighter planes, and they'll help maybe shoot down uh, aliens of a certain of a certain strength on the board. But again, they'll move closer down and as these aliens move down they're also moving down onto spaces that do things to you so maybe the mothership moves down closer to you which is not good uh maybe they uh create and spawn more ships all these kinds of things happen so meanwhile you're trying to use another die to excavate further and further underground to get more stuff you can win the game by producing a certain amount of technology which you can move up the track but at the same time, you can lose the game by the mothership coming all the way down to a certain point or you taking too many hits from the little spaceships crashing into you. So it's actually, again, the great thing about this game, very little setup and let's go. You know, it's mm-hmm. plenty of of thinkiness. And then and then you go. The thing about that I didn't talk about is the white die. Once you place a white die, you have to reroll all your other die that haven't been placed. So now that's a good thing sometimes and a bad thing other times because if you didn't get the role you want, sometimes you're hoping for other stuff. 
there is also a, a, a super big campaign in the box, too, which is pretty cool uh, because you work through different cities, add in different rules, and it adds little wrinkles, which are really great. Sure. And uh, the other thing that's kind of cool, which I didn't talk about, it's not in the intro scenario, but there are worker rooms where you can place a die in a worker room. And once you do that, you get uh, you have these two blue die, and they can be automatic die that you then place in uh, other rooms that are permanent, and they spin down as you use them. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, hmm. It's it's interesting. I like I like the design space of this game. Mm-hmm. Super easy to set up. Uh, I did it a couple times while my family and I were were watching something on TV, and uh, it was great for that. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, actually, this year I was surprised when I looked at my numbers. My solo plays went down compared to 2019. Weird. And I think it's just because everyone's playing online. Right. Everyone <laughs> wants to be online. And, and, always and I've always played online. Yeah. So yeah. So now I just have more people to play with online. But it sounds interesting. It. I, I think. Uh, I think Josh also got a copy of it, but I think he sold it immediately. I don't know if he actually <laughs> tried it out, but it looked interesting when I when I saw it pop up. It is hard to get a copy of right now that a lot of places are sold out everywhere. But if you do play solo games at all, which Richie, I know you do from time to time, yeah, this is the kind of solo game we like in that the setup is super minimal, but the decisions are interesting. Okay, well, um, we got a uh, we got a top ten. We need to read from one of our patrons. Nice. Mr. Richard Wilson has given us his top 10. Wilson! Now, I've not looked at this list yet, and I am going to make a guess at what his number one is. I'm pretty sure I think I know his number one. Okay, well, I'm excited. I think you'll be wrong, but... I th- you think I'm going to be wrong? Ugh. Is it, am I wrong? Isn't he, wasn't he big into Aeon's End? Yeah, yeah, I know he, yeah. Lo- I know he loves Aeon's End. Okay, Zen. well, that's my guess is his number one, but okay. Chad, you got the list? I have the list. All right. Well, this is this. Have you looked at this, Richie? I have not. Okay, no, I so wanted to be surprised. Surprised here. Yeah. So we're counting down, right? Ten we're to counting, one. Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. I just down. want to be sure. Right. Here we go. Number ten, and I'm sorry if I don't have designers on this one, but you should look it up. This is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, Richard's dad is like a old war gamer from way back, and that's how Richard, as far as I know, kind of got into the hobby. So he mm-hmm. has like these old war games that he's very nostalgic about. And oh, this you one, you have not named the title yet. I thought you said there was a game called Richard's Dad. I was like, <laughs> Richard's Dad. Title. It's a great uh, companion game to Stacy's mom. And so, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Stacy's mom has got it going on. End of the episode. All right. So (laughs) the number 10 for Richard is Ambush, which actually one of our listeners, Joe, has has, uh, Mm. done a very intricate um, play-by-play of and posted on BGG with uh, members of the Punch Bunch standing in for some of the people, I think, (laughs) at Ambush. Nice. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, I saw uh, Richard had posted his dad's collection in our Slack. So Hmm. Ambush, huh? Yeah. All right. All right. I like that. Okay. Number nine is uh, a favorite of, I know, Clef's for sure. And Richie, I, I don't remember how you feel about this one, but it's uh, one that recently got a, uh, an expansion, and it's Anachrony. Oh, I think, uh, actually, I think Cleft has cooled on it more than I have. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I... I mean, it's it's a good game, but I th- you know, it's uh, yeah. You've uh, had a lot of plays. Of I've that played game. it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, think I that's do want to. I want to, even though it already has enough stuff. I want to at least try out the expansion. I, sure, I'm intrigued because uh, yeah, Joe said it's really good. It was good. He really likes the new expansion. So I've, I've 
said to him he's got to teach me the new expansion. And I've heard that solo it's even better, which is great because it's a David Turksy solo design, which can be intricate but also interesting as far as decisions go. So yeah. could not imagine setting that up for solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ever. Yeah, I know. I've got eight hours to kill. (laughs) (laughs) That's just for the setup. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, number eight is going to be close to Richie's heart. It would have been closer uh, before last year, but it's still close. So Lorenzo Il Magnifico is his number eight. It's still close to the heart. That's That's an amazing game. (laughs) Number four. You go wrong with that game. Yeah. I just played it not too, just a couple of days ago with with Brian. We played a two-player game. Oh, yeah. They added it to Yukata, which is nice. Yeah, we did play some games on Yukata. Yeah. You missed the expansion, but yeah, you get you a taste the expansion, of it. expansion, but it's, yeah, and yeah. Great. All right. Well, uh, Richard says his number seven is one that's near and dear to my heart, which means it's Lisboa. So I I think that's great. I, I really like Lisboa. Hey, you, know, I got, you got six hours to kill. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I got my copy in with the Queen's Oh, you did? Uh, oh, variant. Yeah. 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 I'm to excited to I play it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to play with that. I, I agree. I'm excited to play with that variant. It's it's cool. All right. And number six is a favorite around here. It is Great Western Trail. Ah, Fister's best game. Well, depending on F- the year Fister's for Glove. best game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on what year it is. I love it. Uh, All right. Number five is... is I'm sorry, it's not going to get any love around here, but it's Gloomhaven for Richard. I think he likes to play this with his family, too, from what I've heard. So, uh, You know, it's not a game for, for us, but, I mean, obviously well, there's a lot of people who love it. I, I have never played the original Gloomhaven. I've only played Jaws of the Line, and I, I do not mind Jaws of the Line. Okay, well, so that's the For me, the more I play of Jaws of the Line, that's the best I can say about Jaws of the Line. <laughs> I do not mind it, uh, but... Sometimes I do. So anyway, <laughs> uh, number four, number four, Richard wins big points with me with Gaia Project. So good pick. Good pick. Excellent game. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, number three, Richard doesn't pull any punches. He he meets the hard-hitting questions, and he is specific. He says Brass Lancashire, slightly over Brass Birmingham. So good, good for him. I'm fine with that, yeah. Yeah. Any brass. I like that he takes a stand. I I appreciate that. Uh, Number two is is a favorite of old clefs, and that's uh, Twilight Imperium, fourth edition. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it it is a great game. It really is. Yeah. It is a a big, epic, all-day type of gaming game. Um, you know, I just have other games now that I'd like to play sure. all day, you know, it's just, uh, but it's still a great game. There's nothing wrong with the game. Um, have you played it since you've emerged from your war gamer cocoon? My war gamer cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Clef the very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, no, gobbling up the Exactly. I think the last time I played it was with you guys. I don't even know. He ate Chad Jensen. All right. all right. So, so for number one, and you all said Aeon's End, right? Uh, that's what I thought, but I could be way off. Yeah, that's all what right. I would think too. Well, I asked him that too. I said, "Where the heck is Aeon's End?" Okay, okay. But, okay. but I'm happy with what he picked. It's number one on Mars. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic I game. Aeon's End. I thought he loved that game. <laughs> yeah. He said he. Uh, he said. You know, it's in my mid-teens. It's my favorite deck builder, but over time, I discovered that deck building isn't that great to me, and I also never seem to get it played. Hey, you know what? You change over time. I'm with you, Richard. I <laughs> yeah. totally agree with if you. If there's anybody Good who call. can typify that, <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, there you go. 
Oh, that All was right, a well, solid, solid list. Yeah, list. I like that list, Richard. Thanks for your contribution. Speaking of contributions. Hey, we got a couple of new patrons. Right. A very big thank you to Salvi de Popolo. Hopefully I, I pronounced that correctly. And Matthew Stern. Right. Thank you both, gentlemen. We really appreciate it. Uh, as we always say, I know not everybody can contribute, uh, but man, thank you so much for for helping us do this podcast in the way that we want to do it for you. Uh, it means a lot. And for those of you who can't, we totally understand. We love your your reviews of the podcast, your retweets, your everything in support. So yeah. thank you. Absolutely. Big thank you. That's right. Hey, Punch Bunch. Are you tired of having all your resources and chits all over the table? Well, do I have a solution for you? Magnetic hex trays from 3D Bitspace. They will keep your table organized and be a huge space saver. So head on over to 3D Bitspace at Etsy.com and order yours today. And if you mention Punchboard Paradise, you're going to get a free hex tray. All right, fellas, so we got, uh, and it's more of a discussion, and Wesley even says that here in his uh, post on our Slack uh, mailbag channel, uh, but he was uh, wondering if you know we wanted to discuss those, the recent events with uh, Daniel Tassini and uh, Phil Eklund and the things that go around that. Now, I'll be honest with you, I got a new phone, and I had, the only thing I've installed on it, social media-wise, is our Slack. <laughs> probably probably a good idea. Not a bad idea. So I didn't even hear about this until it was basically over. Okay. So I'll let Chad, because Chad is our, our social media. Chad is our social media guru. Uh, I'll let him kind of <laughs> explain. Uh, yeah. If you see anything on Twitter, pretty much that's Chad. That is Chad. If you see anything <laughs> that anywhere that's from Punchboard Paradise, that's Chad. it's Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. Some, sometimes there's a stray post that'll be like, uh, Chad is wrong, this and this and this. <laughs> and then you can be sure that's probably Yeah, if he that. criticizes an age of Steam map that yeah. we like. Like when he, does, when he did, Sweden, when he did uh, Sweden, you know, I had to get in there and jump in and talk about that. Now let's not get crazy. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I guess, and I did follow the whole thing with, uh, with Eklund and Tashini. Um, it's interesting because uh, we have a, I was telling Clef, we, some of us do a book group through the podcast as well. And I was asking because I had read this great book that was very diverse and had all these characters in it that were great. And then I had heard that the author had been, uh, had been basically stalking people and being very inappropriate, awful. And I was kind of talking to people on the book group and saying, hey, have you ever had this happen? How do you feel about that? I almost wanted to recommend this book to somebody, but then I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to approach that. How do, how do I feel about that? And uh, one of one of our uh, one of the people who's on that book group who actually doesn't even play a lot of board games, she said, you know, I've had this situation pop up before. And for me, with the book, I recommend people pick it up from the library or I'll give them the book to read. I just don't, uh, for me, it's not worth it for me to recommend they buy it. I don't recommend they give money to that. And I think, honestly, uh, the place, everybody's going to be different, but the place that I'm coming from, a lot of times if it's a, if it's a view uh, that, that uh, I don't believe in and, and for me, that person has not necessarily recanted or adjusted their view when they've been uh, confronted with how it has affected people, uh, that makes me uh, rethink how to spend my money. Because that's 
that's one of the great things that we have here in the states. I think is 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 that uh, the dollar is is almighty, sort of, and and that is one of the big things that that with the internet and everything else, it does influence things. So I think we can, I think we can, uh, you know, choose where to spend our money. Yeah, but you could also say that that can be a tough thing to say because if certain companies, uh, you know, local game stores and you know, even online places, if they have bought a bunch of games from, you know, a certain person and then this comes out and now everybody goes, okay, well, I'm no longer buying that game. Is it hurting that person? Because they, they've already technically got the game sold. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the, obviously, you know, uh, the game shop or, you know, here in Omaha or, you know, miniature market or cool stuff or whatever, they've bought that game. And so if we say, oh, we're not going to buy them now. Well, that's not necessarily hurting the person who did it. So there's kind of a rock and a hard place. Now, I would say, Going forward, you know, certainly I would say, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to support somebody with my money that has that type of view. But in the short term, you know, I mean, that that's a tougher decision, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and I can see that. And it's, I mean, it's definitely going to hurt them going forward, right? right. And yeah. But I like what I, what I go back and go through my collection and find every Daniel Tassini game and get rid of it. Probably not. Right. It really def- depends on the the crime, I guess. Like you know, not in board games, but like Bill Cosby. It's hard to watch any Bill Cosby thing. Sure. And have good feelings about sure. it. Right. Right. Uh, but with him, uh, with uh, Daniel's tweet, it, like I said, once I got to it. Boards and dice, I felt responded appropriate to it. Uh, so, like, I'm not going to go back and get rid of those games, or you know, tell go up, you know, on a tirade saying don't buy those games in a sense. But yes, going forward, it's it would be a little tough if I see his name on there necessarily wanting to give it a shot. Sure, and and to to give just a really really short context i would encourage you if if you're at all uh questioning i'd encourage you to kind of look online with these things but uh danielle tashini was uh defending somebody uh online who was um painting miniatures a certain color and 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 saying they were bad guys and, and that sort of thing and then got into um how he talks uh with his with his black friends and and calls him certain names and again uh, in Italian, it is different uh, with the translation, but I think if you if you kind of look around and see different translations, you can kind of see it's still considered derogatory in Italian. The the phrase that he was he was using. Same with Phil Eklund, and he's sort of been on on a tear with all of his footnotes and a lot of games, kind of inflammatory with things. But I think what blew the lid off uh, for Ion Games was basically uh, him kind of questioning. Um, COVID uh, lockdown and whether it was good or whether people should just sort of police themselves. Uh, there's a lot there, but again, I would encourage you to do your own research as with anything, honestly, because uh, there's a lot of sort of talk about cancel culture here, and I don't want to get into that, but I just think everybody has uh, a responsibility to do research, which can be a lot, but also to kind of make decisions for themselves. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I wonder if I mean, you know, think of me a few years ago. I wouldn't have known who a designer was of a board game or a publisher, or didn't even, you know, that didn't matter. Um, and so, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's still a lot of people out there when they go to buy a game, they just think, oh, this this has pretty box art. You know, is there a responsibility of the gaming community to say, hey? Maybe we don't want to have this person's name on games in a, you know, in a, either a game shop or online. 
I mean, do we have any responsibility there? A good example of this is somebody who's highly respected. Uh, with the whole backlash on uh, Phil Eklund, which, you know, uh, I, I think at least questioning some of his footnotes seems warranted to me. And we've, we've talked about the, the, the problems there. But uh, with that whole thing, then somebody from Fun Again Games, um, his name is Jeff, uh, defended Phil in a very unsavory way as a sort of a personal attack on somebody else uh, in the board gaming community who is a content creator. And uh, then Rodney basically from watch it played sort of said, you know, watch it played. And uh, by extension, board game geek is not going to have dealings with fun again games, which Jeff is a part of, which, you know, that seems in our small niche hobby is a big, is a big deal. I think everybody has a, has a right and, and to a certain extent a responsibility to make a decision on that. You know, it's sort of as you, as you see fit. Now, it can be a domino effect, right? Because people go, "Holy cow! I want my, I want, I don't want my business to be, uh, to be seen as uh, condoning this behavior." So I'm going to do that too. But you know, I think in in Rodney's heart, he was, you know, he was genuine about it. Obviously, yeah. And obviously, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the latest news, but they basically fired him from Fun of Games. Uh, they basically said they've they've kicked him out as being CEO or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and he's no longer CEO. I think yeah. he's still owner of the company and will still profit as such. Right. But. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, with that, especially with the the personal attacks, I I have no problem with what happened there as far as him being fired. And right. I would I wouldn't do anything with Fun Again, you know, especially if he's profiting. Just I mean, just based on what he's doing online. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? It's just. That's ridiculous, but yeah. What it comes down to for me is that we all make mistakes. Oh my gosh, on our worst days on the internet, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes. But if you're confronted and you choose to ignore or not consider, let's say in in kind words, not consider what your effects of what you've posted has to do, then that to me sort of uh, merits some of this response, at least considering some of this response. Right, yeah. If you're going to go on there and have uh, an actual discussion, then I think that's fantastic. I think that's what should happen. But if you're just going to go on there and start lobbing bombs, then I think that's just out of hand. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was talking to my friend Dan the other day, and we were talking about the, uh, you know, the, the Washington football team now that obviously used to be called the Washington Redskins, and just talking about how, you know, in today's society, I mean, we have certainly become what I would consider to be more enlightened. You know, I mean, we as time has gone on, we have realized if words are offensive to people, then we don't use them. And, you know, and, and Chad and I obviously, you know, and I, and I said to Dan, you know, I don't even understand what racism feels like. You know, I am a white male and have lived in, you know, a white male generated society my entire life. And I don't even know what that feels like. But by damn, if I'm now told that, hey, that word is offensive to me, or what you say, you know, if you make a comment like that is offensive, then I should say, okay, I'm going to respect what you say and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to say it. You know, even even if I think, well, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal to call, you know, a team after, you know, well, 
obviously it is, you know, or obviously it's very offensive to, to say words that, you know, whether they mean in Italian or whatever the case is, it's still offensive to people. Then you just don't say it. it is just not appropriate. And if you make a mistake, obviously then you should own up to it and say, okay, I made a mistake. And if you're not going to do that, then yeah, I'm not going to support you. And I'm a, I'll be flat out and say, I'm not ever going to buy another game that he would design if there is going to be such a time that he's going to design it. That's going to be my stance just simply because I feel like you should, in our world today, I mean, you got to be enlightened enough to know, hey, that's just, it's just not appropriate. Right. I, the, the hobby, uh, what we're going for, for the most part, is is inclusion, right? So anything that makes people feel included is is way more important to us than than just about anything else. So again, having, like like Richie said, having the conversation is, is where it's at. And if you can be open to hearing uh, from somebody else what their experience is, that can go a, a much longer way. Thank right. you to yeah. Wesley for that. Uh, yes, thank you, Wesley. That question. That was good. All right, fellas. Time to talk a little 2020. All right, I'm ready. All oh, right. Let's do it. Mm, let's get this done, and then we don't have to talk about it. All right. So, in. <laughs> So in March, we had this uh, pandemic that hit, and uh, we lost all our conventions. I lost my 11-day gaming trip. My 11-day gaming trip I was going to get to go on. It's going to be my first time going to Gen Con this year. You were going to get to go to Gen Con? On my sabbatical, my month-long sabbatical. Yeah. You were going to maybe go to Germany, too? Yep. And instead, yeah. I, I yeah. sat in my basement. Yeah. <laughs> now, when we say this and we laugh, we recognize that other people have gone through a lot yes, of things. Yes, Heck yes. Heck but yes. we had a much work, better year than Let us play yes. the tiny sympathy violins yes. for Richie and Clef, too. 100%. I mean... <laughs> These are first world problems. I right. understand. Yes, that. I still 100%. did. I still did get a, a month off. Yeah, I can't complain too much. Yeah. I've had two so, years with like a month off. Let's not talk about it, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> he actually has to work a full year. I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> well, in 2020, his knee wasn't broken. So there. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay, so we'll just start off. We'll talk a little bit in general of 2020. Um, do you feel like the year was a good year for board games? An average year? I mean, what, what's your feelings on the games that came out, Chad? You know, so I am not an online player, and I know Richie sort of talked about this. He, I I tried to do more online. I did discover some games by getting to play them online, which was great. But my fatigue and, and it's moving into 2021 because we just don't always get to play in big groups uh certainly right now but my fatigue with playing online uh even increases as we go and so i've i've done less and less of that as well this is evident from our our latest play of lewis and clark <laughs> i think there was a maybe a 15 day span where chad did not take a turn i mean well well look when you're faced <laughs> i did not understand the rules very well still that is more. true and when you're faced with like how far can you move beyond the starting line in that game oh where did yeah. chad finish uh, oh god i probably finished like six spaces in front of the starting line i think I really, so yeah yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah so uh so there is that but i will say um so that was that was hard but i definitely feel like looking back at my list this year it feels incomplete it feels like a year where gosh i wish there were some more games to round out the list i wish that i felt 
more passionate about my one through 10, you know, th- right. those sort of things. Right. What about you, Richie? Yeah. I mean, as far as like the games that came out, because I mean, a lot got delayed, a lot got pushed, a lot, you know, without those conventions, there's just a lot of games that I didn't see. Um, so that wasn't great. But honestly, as far as playing, like I, since I, I play online a lot anyways, that didn't really slip that much for me. I did not play. This was the first year. Cause usually I think for the past three or four years, I've played over 200 unique games in a year. And this year was only uh, around 140 around mm. somewhere around there. So, sure. so, I, you know, but I'm still playing about the same amount when I take into account my online games. I'm just playing games that I already know yeah. a lot more this year. Sure. Um, so, I mean, those plays have been enjoyable. I've been able to play, you know, we, we had the age of steam night on Tuesdays here recently. I've been able to play with our, our listeners a lot more as well. So that, that has been great. Uh, but yeah, the actual games themselves that came out that I got a chance to play so far, you know, it's a short list for me yeah. as far as what are my favorites. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I was just thinking if uh, I've gotten to play a lot more games online this year simply because Jason Brent invites me to games all the yes. time. <laughs> uh, I think we just started like a nine person ink and gold uh, game. Yep. I don't know how long that's going to take to play. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly, I don't, it wasn't a great year for games. And in, in my opinion, um, there's some really good stellar ones, but uh, the thing that I'll say, and I'll just come out and say it right now, I don't think there was a great Euro game that was released in 2020, in my opinion. Uh, like, you know, 2019 had, you know, it had not Marikaibo, it had Cooper Island, it had Barrage, you know, it had some really outstanding, great uh, Euro games. And I don't think this year there were, there were some good ones, but I don't think there was a great one. So that, that was a little bit uh, down for me. Yeah, and I, I do agree. Some games probably got pushed back. Some things didn't happen. Um, wait, hold on. Did Brazil from What's Your Game come out? No. <laughs> I think okay. they pushed um, that another year. Yeah, I think they pushed it. So I 20, think it's been a decade. 25. <laughs> since they I just want to say it. when I was looking at our expansions, uh, you know, because of some of the categories on here in 2020 expansions, Madeira has a 2020 expansion. So oh. I don't know if they call it that. But. Well, technically, well, we, we, we have played, played it, part you know, of it. Yeah, the video and just uh, copied they, something. They, you know. <laughs> they released an update that it's didn't. Say, say anything new but time yeah okay. <laughs> it'll come uh if you build it it will come all right so anyway so okay so yeah so a little bit of an overview of 2020 well what do you say fellas maybe we just get in we do our draft and then afterwards we'll talk about best art uh biggest surprise you know things like that sure and then we'll also kind of rattle like maybe just our top fives of our actual top five sounds since, great uh, you know how this draft so it works for me Well, Richie, uh, why don't you tell everybody here how we draft at Punchboard Paradise? So at Punchboard Paradise, we like unique lists. That's why we draft. And we're going to do a serpentine draft, which all that means is that if you draft last in the first round, you're going to draft first in the second round. And we're going to roll off to see who's going to set the draft order. Five. Four. Three. All right. Well, I, I got to go first. <laughs> there is no way you're not going first I, I, in this I can't, draft. I can't go last on this one. Um, but if then, you go first, I can go last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clef, you're actually going to go second. Ah, I'm going to give. I was, I was trying to trick you. That. <laughs> I'm going to give Chad the turnaround. All Let right. him pick back to back. All right. So Richie, what be number one? Uh, and disclaimer. At least I 
think this is a disclaimer. It's on my list, but just in case, I, I know Clef is not counting this, but on Mars, we drafted last year. Yeah, so we reviewed we did it. We drafted it last year. I really probably would have picked it for this list, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, even though BGG ranks it as a 2020 game, because we already have done a 2019 list with drafting this, it, it stays at 2019. Okay. Us. So we're saying our, on Mars. On Mars, not on there. Otherwise, it would have been yeah. my number one. Okay. Um, so nice. <laughs> I like it. That's Instead, creepy. I'm going to take Imperial Struggle, yep. uh, my first pick. Yep. And I think that this is probably all of our favorite game of the year. Right. Uh, definitely tougher to get to the table, obviously, since it's just two player and it's a longer game, plus harder to teach. But sure. once you get someone taught, it is it's a blast to play. Yeah. And we've already reviewed it, so I won't go uh, too much further into it. But yeah, Imperial Struggle for my number one pick. It's a great pick. That's a good pick. Great you pick. thwarted me. All right. So for my first pick, wait a minute, am I reading that right? <laughs> and I'm actually sad wait, I don't get to pick this wait one. Wait a minute. But. I'm going to pick a legacy game for my <laughs> wow, number that's your one number? pick? Wow. Wow, I am. I'm, I, you know what? I'm telling you guys right now, my city is one of the best games of 2020. I mean, it is an amazing game. It has a great, um, the, the legacy part of it is, is perfectly done. The time is perfect. And I've even, uh, my wife and I, the other day, we played a few games of the, you know, just the basic, you know, once you finish mm -hmm. the legacy, play it. And it's still just as good, just as fun. And you could honestly change it up a little bit if you wanted to. You could add a few things back in, do whatever you want to. But excellent. I just, I love the, for, for the playtime and what you're doing, Kinesia made the best legacy game, in my opinion, ever. You know, I know a lot of people, Pandemic Legacy is their favorite. But for me, this is my number one. And I had more fun playing this game then really, honestly, almost any game over 2020, just in the amount of time and the number of times I got it played, you know, I mean, obviously some of the heavier games I like probably better when you really would come down to it. But as far as just the fun and the enjoyment that I got, My City is an amazing game. And if you haven't played it and you like, you know, tile lane and just uh, very simple rule changes that, you know, change from chapter to chapter. I have yet to find somebody who's played this that have said, nah, I don't like it. Everybody I've talked to who's played it, they like yeah. it a lot. So I got to go My City is my number one pick. It would have been my number one if I hadn't gone first. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was so great. There you go. Okay. That is, uh, that, and, and Richie, that's something because like, if you remember when we talked about uh, legacy games in the past, you had said, and I had agreed with you about how important story is. And there's really no story. No, there isn't. Nope. But the games play like 15 to 20 minutes tops. Yep. And you can knock out, uh, we were knocking out at Chapters. least a chapter a night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just plays so fast, and the little changes were great. And when you do that, you're still playing like 90 minutes, right? So Yeah, you oh, know, not like, even 90 minutes. Well, but I'm just saying Maybe like you're hour. playing yeah. what a, a regular game might right. be oh, because you're enjoying it so much, mm -hmm. you just want to keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, great pick, great <laughs> and, pick. And the sad thing is that that's one of those that I just I was buying and had to get up the cart level, and I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, that looks interesting. And then somebody told me it was a legacy, and I was like, oh, great. I'm never even going to play this. I'm so glad I took a shot with it. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. My City by Rainier Knizia. My first pick, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's not real high in my top 10, but I know that it could go quick. So I'm going to take it anyway, because that's how you draft, right? So I'm going to take Versailles 1919. 
And uh, it's a GMT game, so I know it's going to go quick around here. It is from Jeff Engelstein and Mark Herman, uh, two very well-established designers in their own right, though uh, very different. It was great to see these guys come together. I have not had uh, many plays of this game at all, but and missed a significant part of the game because of the way the, the game shook out. But I can see what I what I will like in this game, the way that uh, negotiation works, uh, the way that uh, certain events are resolved. It is uh, it is sort of, from what I can tell from reading the other rules, and I haven't played this game, it is sort of churchill light. It is if uh, Jeff Engelstein approached Churchill and said, let's, uh, let's make it a little bit easier in the rule set, a, less, a little less convoluted, and, and uh, maybe a little less thematic that way, but let's try it this way. And... It's very interesting. Uh, I really like it. So uh, that's my number one pick, Versailles 1919. Excellent game. I mean, definitely would have been on my drafting list. Um, I love it. I, I love the negotiation. I love the just the way the player interaction goes. Yeah, and as you said, you, you didn't even get to half the game, which is weird. You know, I mean, how right. that weird game went. You know, we, we finished the game, but it just there was never an uprising, and so you'd even miss it, but... So it's even better when you get to that. So yeah, so great pick, absolutely. Yeah, it was a blast, and like I said, and I was in that was my only game as well where we didn't have the uprising. But anytime I can yell at Chad that no, that this is the deal, and, yeah. and walk yeah. away from the table, <laughs> it's a blast. That's the, <laughs> that's the worst feeling. Not only to have Richie yell at you, but then just sort of walk away and just be like, "Oh man, Ugh, I feel dirty." Uh, but it was a good game. All right. <laughs> Uh, so for my second pick, I'm going to go with uh, Bonfire by Stefan Feld. I, you know, it's a, it is to some extent a point salad game, but it was one of my favorite Euros for this year, and I am very pleased to own it. I even really like the solo game if you enjoy it. Uh, if you enjoy solo games, you should you should seek it out because the card games are, uh, excuse me, there is a card deck and it is it is quite good in managing the AI in this game. So if you like that at all, you like Feld games, you like Trajan, because I think this is a return to form for him, I would highly suggest Bonfire, my number two pick. All right. So my number two is the only coin game that was released in 2020. And it was a unique one because it was the first time that there was a three-player coin game, and that is all bridges burning there was a really cool way that they did the mechanism on how you take your turns since uh you know it normally used to be when four players you know as you always had the factions at the top and that dictated the order and stuff this you basically always uh just the way they did it i don't want to describe it right now but they did it really well and the game was really interesting um i really enjoyed it and i can't wait to get it back to the table so that was all bridges burning designed by vpj Arpanen. Richie, what do you got for your second pick? Uh, for my second pick, I'm going to take Viscounts of the West Kingdom by wow. Shem Phillips. All right. And I will say that every game that I've played of his, it, it gets better than his last design for me. Uh, so yeah, Viscounts is definitely my favorite of the trilogy. I haven't picked it up yet. And honestly, it's, since his designs keep getting better, I might just wait till the next one. Yeah, wait a honest. few years. You're going to get like the best game ever. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's a great game. Uh, definitely check it out. A solid midweight Euro. All right. All right, my third pick, and I'll be honest with you, this is probably more the experience with the group uh, than it is the actual gameplay, but I'm going to take Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. I call disqualification <laughs> by expansion. 
He probably just wanted votes. That's all. He's probably picking that one. Well, he is kind of going for the votes as well. Votes. Uh, I, I, I urge you to find in your heart and search your heart and and think about whether this is truly an expansion. Punch punch. Wow, like he's campaigning here. <laughs> um, Richie, why don't you talk about the game real quick? <laughs> well, it is Gloomhaven. I can't lie. It is Gloomhaven. But like when it's got its, it's its own separate entry, it's not listed as an expansion. We're counting it, and I I'm editing. I, I might edit out Chad's. That's true. You can totally Chad yelling every part of your thing. Fine. <laughs> I can't um, argue with you. I have no idea. I thought it was a separate game. I had I didn't. It know. is a separate game. Yeah. It is a separate game, but basically everything in it can be played in the expansion. But do be, you need Gloomhaven to play it? Do you have to own Gloomhaven to play? No, no, no. It's no. a standalone game. Then it's a standalone game. I'm with you, it Richie. I'm going to vote with you. All right. Thank you. It, well, an expansion means you have to have the base game to play it. You can't play what Lorenzo's expansion. What about Brass? That's not an expansion. Well, we just talked about that and 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 seeing if it, you know. Were you trying to fun? catch me with my yeah, hand in the cookie exactly. jar? There? What are you doing, yeah, Chad? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm taking it. Chad probably didn't even say anything during this whole conversation. Yeah, probably not. So. <laughs> yeah. Just cut him out completely. <laughs> <laughs> Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Line. Uh, all right. That means it's time for my third pick. He, he likes it so much he didn't even talk about what it was about. <laughs> it's Gloomhaven. I don't know. He plays some cards, be in a dungeon. That's it. All right. All yeah, right. For, much. For, for, uh, for my third pick, I'm going to take uh, On Mars. Get out of here. <laughs> Turn it. <laughs> All right. For my third pick, I'm going to go with a game that if you want your brain to melt while you are playing a game, then I got the game for you, Curious Cargo. I am talking about from our good friend, Mr. Ryan Courtney, who we love, designer of Pipeline. And when I first heard of this game, I thought, oh, this is going to be like an easier version of Pipeline. This is going to be like a, you know, like a, oh, let's do a little beer and pretzel kind of, you know, game and, you know, get to lay some pipe, you know? Okay. That's what I thought it was going to be. But that is not the case. This game, I think, is harder than Pipeline. I mean, it is, you're sitting there trying to figure out how to get these, and I've only played the easy version. I've only played the two good versions so far. I haven't even gotten a chance to play the three good version. But if you like hard puzzles where you're trying to figure out how to match these pipes together and then have you have to try to ship these goods from one side using these trucks and then move them around and then they get received on the other side, it's fantastic. It is well done. It is a very, very good game. But I'm telling you right now, it's one of those games where it's a two-player only. You're going to have your head in your hand, like looking at your board, just like studying, going, okay, how am I going to do this and trying to figure it out? So it's very, very brain-burning. I want to make sure everybody knows that before they play this game. But if that's the type of game you like and you want something that's like really, really thought-provoking, 100%. Uh, my third pick is going to be Curious Cargo by Mr. Ryan Courtney. Solid pick, and it is a brain burner for sure. Yeah. It, it is uh, hard to play. That is a great pick. Uh, I will talk about this game, I'm sure, in the future because I have I have things to say on it too. But I it is a it is I don't think it's necessarily going to be for everybody because it it's one of those games when you play it the first time you uh, if you're not Ryan Courtney you suck at it 
And then, yes. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, but, but you can get better at it. I think it's almost like a Rubik's Cube. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to work at it to feel satisfied and get better at Ooh, it. And I never got better at Ruby's game. So that's not <laughs> right. I think it's kind of like that. But but the difference is is that somebody could take your Rubik's cube and like move it one notch, and then you could either go, "Hey, that helps me," or "Hey, what the what hell are did you, you doing?" Do? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good pick. Go. I would definitely suggest uh, people get a play of that one, but we'll talk about it later. All right, Chad. On to your last two picks. All right, so because it doesn't matter, because I get two picks, I am going to pick a title that's uh, near and dear to my heart uh, from Scott Peterson and All Aboard Games, 18 Chesapeake. I really enjoyed 18 Chesapeake. Not everyone here did. Most everyone here didn't, but I certainly did. It is a nice beginner 18XX. Richie, cross that one off your list. You can't that one anymore. <laughs> it, it is on the bottom of my list. And honestly, <laughs> very wow, not a good year. That's but there honestly, <laughs> I almost, after he took Versailles, I almost just drafted 18 chess people away. <laughs> that, that is a Richie move. Like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> screw you. I don't even remember what this game's about. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Good pick. I know you now, like technically, that since you could probably play with the pieces of 18 Chesapeake with any other 18XX game, yep. can I call shenanigans on <laughs> this? I think you should. I think I should. Oh, Baloney should. should. Baloney. This will be left in. The train tiles are totally different. The map is different. Get out now, of if you're thinking, why did Richie say also call shenanigans? Because you didn't hear Chad's first shenanigans. Oh, yeah. well, you know. <laughs> no, all right. Good pick. I know you like this one better than, than Richie and I did, but yeah. I know this one was well received in the 18XX. Yeah, when we hear your top 10 or 5 whatever we're doing uh, i'm five. excited to see where that lands up there yeah all right for my last pick i am going to pick merv from mr lopiani and osprey games it is a it's a it's a very good game i think there is a lot of room for for different strategies in this game from the the little that i've played of it and i really like the way that uh his design works in this game in that it is it is playable at two-player, whereas Kalamala and Ragusa were really not. And so I think he has he has iterated on his design aesthetic, but yet uh, gotten something uh, new from where you will play something, and then everybody can can benefit or piggyback off of off of that action. So I really enjoy that. So that's going to be my last pick: Merv from Osprey Games and Mister Lopiano. All right, for my fourth pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose a little fun little party game. You guys are gonna be a little bit surprised about this. I'm also kind of reaching deep into the barrel here. I am going to pick a card game. I don't know who the designer is. I don't know who the publisher is. Chad, you let's figure this out. Spicy. Oh, I have spicy. I haven't played it yet though. It's a you know, have you ever played Liar's Dice? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, it's like Liar's Dice with cards. Okay, and. The, f uh, the first time I played this, we played it wrong. We thought you never cleared your thing, so you had to just keep lying about the same spice the right. whole time. And that was entertaining, but uh, but we found out later, we were playing it wrong once we found out how to play it. It actually was, it's a decent little game. Now, you obviously don't want to play this with less than four people, you know, and it's right, four, right. four or five, uh, just to kind of, you know, which basically you're just putting down a card and you're saying it's either a number and a certain one of the spices. And... Somebody can call you and say you're lying, but they have to choose whether you're lying about the number 
or about the, the spice. spice. So if I said, you know, I'm lying down a four pepper and Richie calls me on it and says, you're lying about the number and I reveal it and it's a four uh, chili or something like that. Mm. I'm still okay because you called me out on the number and my number was right. Even okay. since the spice I said was not necessarily right or same vice versa. If I said spice, it's a fun love. You're just looking for a fun little party game and just, uh, you know, something that you can, you know, have, have a good time with. It's good. It's got beautiful cards. I mean, the cards are like gold foiled and, you know, have like wonderful mm-hmm. dragon pictures and stuff on them. And there's also some, even some, uh, uh, what do you call it? Some special powers that can you can play, you know, like change the game up, mm-hmm. you know, where it's good. It's not like for each person powers, but the whole game, like instead of all your, you know, your threes and sevens can be interchangeable and stuff like that, just to make it a little bit harder, you know, of whether you're going to call the person. Um, excellent game. Really fun. I mean, I recommend it for a fun kind of party game, and that is Spicy by Giori Zoltan Gabor. And publisher Heidelbar Games. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm, I'm glad I picked it up then because yeah. it was it was recommended uh, on the recommended list for the spiel. Uh, that's the only reason I picked it up, and it's a card game. Yeah. So we yeah. should note too because you like the art so much that uh, the artist on this is Jimin Kim. I think my son would actually like this because of the sort of the liars, you know, the liars dice yeah. idea and. And it's rated, it says, age uh, 10 and up. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, kind of a surprise there out of left field. But, yeah, we're going to go a little spicy. All right, Richie, what do you got for your last pick? So, for my last pick, I'm going to pick also kind of a small card game with a board, though. Okay. And some cubes. Okay. And that is The King is Dead, second edition. Oh, I want to play this. Yes. It's it's like mm. PAX Premier light with a little sprinkle of bus in there as far as the action pawns that you have okay. or the actions that you take during the game. It's also a second edition. Hey, PAX Premier second edition was fine last year. Yeah, yeah. everybody picked PAX. It's, the rules have changed. It's not the exact same game. All right. So all right, it, right, it, it right. has changed. That's fair. That's fair. So, Good and point. that's, uh, you know, it. I'm at the bottom of my list, so that's what I'm taking. <laughs> so that is The King is Dead, <laughs> second edition. By Pierre Sylvester, and that's Osprey Games too, I think, right? Yes, yes, yeah. and they did a fantastic job with the production. And we've talked about this. It's, it's sort of that, uh, you know, trying to back the right empire, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the right time. Yeah. Yep, solid game. I'm, I'm interested to say that or play that one. It's cool. Okay, so... That concludes our list. Uh, real quick, I'll run it over here. So Richie picked Imperial Struggle, uh, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, Viscounts of the West Kingdom, and The King is Dead. Chad took Versailles, 1919, 18 Chesapeake, uh, Merv, The Heart of the Silk Road, and Bonfire. And then I took uh, My City, All Bridges Burning, Curious Cargo, and Spicy. All right, guys. There's our list. So, uh, with that being said, we did a draft, which which was which was fun and arguable. But uh, Richie, what were your top five? Uh, my top five, uh, starting with five, is Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, <laughs> Versailles, nineteen nineteen, uh, as my number four. Uh, All bridges burning was my number three. My city, my number two, and then Imperial Struggle, my number one. Yeah. Good what about nice. you, Chad? Uh, I had, for my number five, I had Merv. For my number four, I had 18 Chesapeake. For my number three, I had Praga Kaput Regni. And number two was Bonfire. And number one was Imperial Struggle. Okay. Uh, my number five was, my number five was Curious Cargo. My number four was 
uh, my number four was All Bridges Burning. Uh, my number three was Versailles 1919. My number two was My City. And my number one was Imperial Struggle. So, All right. All right. Pretty, pretty, pretty similar there to Richie's, obviously. Yeah, yep. so, yep. yep. not far close. off. Well, let's go to uh, some, some different categories here. So uh, first category we'll look at. Um, how about surprise? Richie, what was a, a surprise of the year for you? My City, honestly, was my biggest surprise. It I was not on my radar at all when Clef picked it up. I mean, he accidentally <laughs> he bought it on a whim. Yeah, so I I wasn't even excited about it based on what why he picked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe Chad said something about it, right? Which then piqued my interest and in why I went into it. And yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite legacy games and a fantastic couples game. That was on my yeah. list too. Well, well, Clef, what 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 did you think? What was your well, surprise? I'll give you the surprise of a game that I didn't really like, but. It was a surprise game on how well it was done, and that is the Super Skilled Pinball 4K. Um, talk about a game that surprised me on how much it felt like you were playing an actual pinball game. Now, I think as I played the game, I mean, after a while, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just rolling dice and basically filling in circles, but it had that really authentic feel of that, and so I was really surprised at that. And I think anybody who really likes rolling rights and likes pinball, this could be something that'd be right up their alley. I'm Slam not a dunk. big roll and write person normally, so mm-hmm. that's maybe why I didn't, you know, love the game. But I do think that was a big surprise on how well that game was done. And I mean, I'm certainly going to echo Richie's My City for sure. But that that right. was probably my biggest surprise. But just on something different, I would give it to uh, the pinball game. Yeah, sure, good pick. Uh, I'm going to say my biggest surprise actually, and we played this. Gosh, now it would be about ten months ago. But I broke this out because it was in shrink, and I thought, you know what? We got to play this. I'm just curious. And Clef had brought it, and that is uh, Pan Am. Now, I, obviously, this wasn't my best game of the year, but I just did not expect this exclusive game from Target to be uh, what it was. But it was a real big surprise, the mechanisms that were put in this sort of gateway-ish game that is in a big box store. And I was very uh, pleasantly surprised by Pan Am. Yeah. I, I wish that I, I liked a lot of the the mechanisms in that game. I wish they made that into a little bit deeper of a game because uh, yeah. it, it got a little samey really quick for me. But I'll agree with you. That was a big surprise, too. I was surprised that game was as good as it was also. So we talked about surprises, but uh, now I guess we have to talk about the uh, yang to the yin. So, Clef, what was your biggest disappointment of 2020? I uh, think my biggest disappointment of 2020 is was uh, was Euro games. I- I'm just going to lump them together. Okay. I just don't think you know. I mean, I know Chad, a few of yours hit the the top there, but I don't think there were very many good or, for that matter, great Euro games in 2020. I think they were all very just okay at best and i just feel like past years have had big huge great euro games and this year i just don't think that there was anything that is going to be played in three or four or five years i think this year will be just forgotten for euro games i just think that they're very basic and blase and i don't i mean i don't think we'll be talking about bonfire i don't think we'll be talking about you know Praga. I just, I just think those games are just going to kind of fall off of our radar completely, and so I'm just going to pick Euro games in general is my biggest disappointment of 2020. I can't disagree, and and honestly, I was actually worrying that Clef had infected me with the GMT like fully uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, until we played Darwin's Journey, 
Yes. And that was that was great. It, it, that was a great Euro yeah, game. That was a great Euro game, and I'm looking forward to that. So, yes. yeah, this was not a good year uh, for Euro games. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I will say my biggest disappointment was a reissue uh, of a, I guess, a Euro game. Technically, the first to come out on BGG, which is uh, the reprint of D Macher. Ooh, ooh. And I am so, I, I feel bad about her. this. I know. Uh, I apologize to everybody out there who loves this as their favorite game. Um, I, I, It's just fallen flat for our group. And again, there's, I think there's a, a little bit more above the table that maybe needs to happen in this, but it, it just feels dated uh, and like set collection and a little bit of area control and um, what there is in it. I, I needed to be, I need to be guided through it to find it because I, I couldn't, I couldn't find something to like uh, as much as, you know, the people that, that really love this game. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It was just disappointing to me because I expected a lot from it and didn't get much out of it. So D Mocker was my biggest disappointment as far as games are concerned for this past year. I can't disagree there. Um, uh, for me, and, and honestly, it probably is what Clef said, just every big Euro release was kind of a bust for me. Uh, they were mostly mediocre. And then, uh, but I will throw out there, even though I... <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I wasn't looking forward to this game. I bought it at a, on a whim at uh, the game shop. Uh, but Cosmic Encounter Duel was terrible. <laughs> and I was really hoping that I'd be able to have a cosmic experience with two people, but uh, I should have known better. Didn't work. Mm. Okay. All right. All right. Well, next category I have here is best card game. So, uh, best card game uh, of 2020. Oh, I would say for sure. I like, uh, you know, we talked about spicy a little bit, so yep. I'll talk about a different one. Yep. Uh, Shot and Totten 2. Uh, okay. I just talked about it on the last podcast. Sure. And definitely, they, they really made the, the same feel of a game, but made totally different in how you play the game. And I, and I think they did a wonderful job. And, uh, you know, my wife still beats me at it very easily, but I, I enjoy it. I think very good. So I would say Shot and Totten 2 is my favorite card game of the year. The asymmetrical aspect uh, from, you know, it's a sort of an iteration of, of Reiner Knizia. And the way you explained that asymmetrical take on Battle Line, uh, if you want to see it that way, because he, he's done that iteration, that sounds really interesting to me and has really piqued my interest. So uh, thank you for that one. Good pick. Uh, hmm. What would you say, Richie? Best card game. You're the man of card games. I really did not play many card games this year. And technically, this is listed as 2019. But I know I didn't get All my right. copy till yeah. this year. And the okay. crew oh, right. would, would have been really the only card game I played I'm this year. Give like a it true, true card game. I'm going to give it to you because we, we did not talk about this because it wasn't released for us until 2020. So we couldn't talk about it in our 2019s. And uh, it, it got a lot of play out of this group, even separately among us. So I think the crew is, uh, is, a, fair, is a fair game. I'll, I'll give it to you. What do you got, Chad? I've actually got Stellar from the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Ridback team, mm -hmm. uh, Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback. I, I, like, uh, I like what this game does and how you're trying to make choices, whether to put a, uh, a card into your notebook, so to speak, or kind of gather it for collection and how, how those are going to score. Um, the art on the cards is really, really pretty, and uh, I like it as a little as a little two player card game. I think I think there's a good amount there to be explored, and I'd highly recommend it. 
Uh, we didn't have many, but uh, expansion is another thing here. I'm going to, I'll tell you what, you you guys may disagree with this, uh, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll apologize if, if it's not, because it does take all different components, but I feel like because it's an iteration and the way that we talked about it and reviewed it, I'm going to call it an expansion. I'm going to say Marco Polo 2 um, from Z-Man Games. So, yeah. Mm. So, I really like it. I ended up getting it when it was on a super sale, and uh, for me, it's worth it. I can use the resources, and I even did a Richie and upgraded my dice, too. So, Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'll give it to you as long as you give me Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. <laughs> that isn't. Wait, what? It's expansion. Oh, okay. You're, you're gonna use an expansion because <laughs> he's I usually. Love it. I love it. He's usually in a base game. This is you. You can play this standalone. You it can. Is, it's very true. You do not have what, to don't have help him. So <laughs> just argued that it was a separate game in the. I'm saying if you can count this as an expansion, which it is not, <laughs> it is a standalone it game. Is a standalone game. Then I can pick Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion on my on oh my, my list. God. All right. I, I'm, Don't encourage I'm, him. No, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Right. <laughs> Just Richie, finish your thing. <laughs> All right. My favorite expansion this year was Root, the Underworld expansion. Yes. Key word there, expansion. Yes. Yeah. Underworld expansion. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this one, this is added the moles, uh, which is one of my favorite factions, and uh, the uh, the annoying uh, ravens, the... Corvers? I, I keep wanting to say COVID. Corvid? Yeah, but... Corvid. Cor- Corvid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's totally different. Yeah, different. Totally different. Oh, with the QAnon expansion, holy crap. <laughs> and that might be my favorite expansion. Or that might be my favorite... favorite uh, faction? Faction to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, added two great factions, added... Uh, the lake side of the board is fantastic. The mountain one is, eh. But yeah, yeah, it added great stuff to the game. And he put out uh, there was a Twitch video where they were kind of talking about the latest or the I think they're doing two more expansions for sure, and then I think it's going to be done. So, and those look great too. So those will probably be my when yeah. those come out. Those will probably be my favorites for that year, whenever they come out. Yeah. I mean, if they keep making money. You know, oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's like uh, Dominion when they were like, "Oh, we're going to be done," and then like, "Well, man, we're still making money. Let's make some more." <laughs> and for some of those people that really like Dominion, it's it's worth it, you know. Yeah. So if you really like the and and I will say I haven't played with those yet, but I really want to play with the moles. I I I have that expansion. I haven't played with it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, I actually thought of a really good expansion, and I really really like this expansion. I think it improves the game dramatically, and it is an expansion. It is the Targi expansion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, made a very, very, very good game into a great game. I mean, that's really how I would feel about it. Um, it just makes a, a piece go opposite, and then you get some bonuses if you use that piece, um, and then it added another resource into it. So it makes it not quite as... Uh, you, you don't get quite as screwed. You can kind of have a little bit of uh, mitigation. Plus, the one thing is, is there was a, a couple of the cards... They were a little bit, I don't want to say broken, but like there was, they were just ones that you had to use continuously to make sure to try to keep up in victory points. And they kind of toned those down. So now it's not as big of a deal. You can kind of worry about other stuff. You don't have to worry about those cards. So I think they did an amazing job with this expansion. So yeah, so I'm going to go with the Targi expansion. Good pick. All right. Well, our next category is uh, I'm going to let Richie uh, talk about it first because it is art, and we all know how shallow Richie is. So, Richie, <laughs> what is the game with the best art from 2020? I actually really liked uh, Merv 
for art this year. I love the cover. I love the the board is very pretty, even though it's maybe a little distracting when you're playing. But just as a, an art piece, I really enjoyed it. So that's going to be my pick, uh, the Merv. I think that's a great pick. It is. I I love the way uh, Ian O'Toole uses color palettes, and that's a really yeah. interesting one. Hey, uh, Clef. Well, since I didn't get to pick this game in the draft, I'm gonna pick it for best art. And I was Imperial Struggle is absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah, it had a couple of production problems or whatever, but that doesn't take away from the art. It is the whole world, and it's just just uh, the colors, and then the cards are beautiful, and it's got great descriptions and everything. I just absolutely love the look of Imperial Struggle. It's amazing, great. So that's that's the art that I would pick for is Imperial Struggle. The old world map is particularly beguiling. Mm-hmm. That's a good choice. Yep. And Chad, what do you got for which you know tool one are you going to choose? I actually am what? not. I'm going to say Tidal Blades, which is a game that I haven't played, but I've watched play. Uh, be played and i really like the art for title blades i you know it's it's stylized but i really like what it is uh i enjoyed it quite a bit so uh yeah i'll go with druid city games and uh title blades nice okay uh we've got just a couple more the second to last one is production so that's close to art but uh maybe a little bit more so uh richie what would you choose for your favorite uh game for production and you talked about this game, Chad, and I, I saw a video today, actually, where they were showing the components for Honey Buzz, and I, it almost made me buy it, even though I don't think I need the game. <laughs> I don't know how often it's going to get played, but uh, the deluxe components for it look very cool. Yeah, uh, man, those that, that resin sort of honey yeah. and stuff, oh, mm-hmm. it feels so good. That, that would be what I would pick. Uh, Elf Creek Games knocked it out of the park with this one, especially with the deluxe edition. That is a great pick. Clef, how about you? Uh, I'm going to go a bonfire. Um, just overall, there's a lot going on, but I think that they, you know, they did a good job with the components, the player board where you're putting the little tiles and stuff on is really cool. How it's, you know, you got the rounded area. So you've got all the spots that can fit the, um, those symbols and then, you know, your guardians going around there. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool production. I, I think they did a nice job, especially I'll say this for a Feld game. Looks pretty good, and I think they did a pretty good job with the production. You know, it's just for typical, most Feld games are not that well produced or look that good. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Bonfire. That's a that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Yeah. I am going to. Uh, Richie took mine, which was a great pick. Uh, but I'm gonna. I'm I'm tied up between two two picks. I think that I am going to. I like Praga Kaput Regni because I really like the tactile version. I like taking those those tiles out and putting them on, you know, and slotting them and everything that you do with that. But actually, I'm going to go with a game that is, to me, overproduced. <laughs> and I'm going to go with Level 99 and Trey Chambers' game, uh, Imperial Imperial Spells and Steam. And that game is seriously produced. You have trays for everything. You put a little resin counter on almost every single tile of that board. You have a really beautiful player board that you're slotting actions into. That game is incredible. And the box, the box takes up a Calyx shelf in itself, I mm. believe. It's uh, it's kind of amazing. So, you know, if we're going to talk about production, it is amazingly produced. Nice. Nice. Okay. All right. Last category, this is a new-to-me game. I'll clarify, when we say new-to-me, it means we played it new this last year, but it's not a 2020 game. So 
Uh, Clef, what did you play that was new to you that uh, you really, really liked in well, 2020? Well, can I cheat a little bit? I mean, you guys sure. have cheated uh, yeah, numerous yeah, times already. So here, yeah. I'm going to cheat a little bit because it wasn't 100% a new game to me this year because I had played it once before a few years ago, but I played it at two-player, and it wasn't like something that, that hit me that moment because of the fact that maybe it wasn't at the right player count. But I have now had a chance to play this game numerous times, and at, you know, at four, five, and six, where it really shines, and I'm going to go with Dominant Species. Uh, wow, what a game. I mean, talk about a great game that is done just perfectly, how everything just fits together so well in that game. And uh, just last week, I got to play it four-player. We got to teach. Uh, uh, Corey Ackland came over, and he's like, hey, you've been talking about this dominant species. I want to play it. So we played it as a four-player game. And, you know, obviously, he loved it. It was, it was still even four. It really works sure. well and shines well. Uh, you know, I, I would not suggest playing it with less than four, but great game, and I'm really glad I got introduced to it. And I just I love – I want to play it again and again and again. Such a great game. That's a great game, and yeah. that's a Corey nice. game too. Yeah, oh, yeah, he loved it, so – all right, Richie. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Forbidden Stars. It's a game that I got Ooh. in a trade this year. I want to play it. Soon. We'll get it to the table soon, I promise. All right. Uh, but yeah, it's a game that's been out of print. I believe they're trying to bring it back uh, via Kickstarter. COVID threw that off a little bit this year, but hopefully next year uh, it will come out. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a fantastic game, and I've only gotten to play it at two-player. I got to play it twice at two-player, uh, and I think it's something that will shine even more with more players. So okay. we definitely got to get back to the table. Good pick, all right. Cool. What about okay. you, Chad? Uh, my new-to-me pick was actually Wildcatters. I finally played oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's the right. Wow. I forgot. Last yeah. year. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, that's Oof. a capstone. and Such a great It game. needs to have the four mm -hmm. players. I think we did well, all agreed on yeah. that but and we played uh what is it coffee traders clef you and i played coffee traders online a little bit we did and you know uh, i don't think it was a bad game when we played it but it was not the interaction that you get from wildcatters and i think we're sort of you know we had an maybe an unfair expectation of that so could be it was more of a medium weight euro where you're just trying to get some coffee and complete some things or whatever where wildcatters is a you know is just a nice player interactive mm. how can i screw you and get you to take a loan yeah 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 yeah, yeah. there's there's a little bit more recipe fulfillment sort of thing in coffee traders i think but nonetheless wildcatters is still a great game i was glad for uh, my play of it this past year well that wraps up 2020 uh it may be later in the year after we've played a little bit more we will go back and, and revise lists. We'll see how that goes. But uh, you've heard enough from us about 2020 for now. We're looking forward to 2021. And Punch Punch, I hope that you all have a great 2021. Please take care of yourselves and each other. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Yeah. Whereas four would be like, ooh, I got Excuse me. <laughs> no. We're cursing now. Let's do it. <laughs>
boys. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> you know, oh, gosh, dang, I really want to do this thing, you know, and. and